Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Forum. For more information, please visit ohioministry.net. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for, for joining me today. My name is Jordan Weatherby, and um, I am doing a session on the meat and potatoes of creating church graphics. I know a lot of people sometimes get tossed graphics and responsibilities. We wear many hats in church. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't always exactly know how to do, so we kind of learn as we go. So I wanted to kind of touch on different things today that you may not have knowledge on or maybe having questions about um, to creating simple but effective church graphics. Um, a little background on myself. I am 24 years old. I've been in full-time ministry for about six years. I started off traveling, doing music. Um, I traveled with a worship pastor right out of high school, and we were on the road doing music about 250 to 300 days a year. So we kept, we kept pretty busy for a few years. Um, in that time, I realized as we're traveling, sitting on a bus for hours and hours a day, that I needed something to do. I was like, hey, graphic design sounds pretty cool. Let's teach myself. Good morning. How you doing? Welcome. So I decided I would learn how to do graphics. Didn't have any knowledge of it. Had no, you know, no one influenced me. I was just like, this is something I want to do. So I started investing my time as I would sit on a bus for eight, ten hours a day, several days a week, into learning how to do this. And in about a year and a half or so. I realized that, hey, this is fun. I could actually make something of this. And so I started doing it kind of as like a side job where I'd make a few extra bucks every now and then. Um, And over the course of a year or two, it grew into something that became a part-time business for me. And then it became full-time for me when I stopped traveling. Um, At that time, I also moved to Columbus, Ohio, where I joined um, the pastor that I traveled with doing music. He planted a church in Columbus. So I came on staff with him and became his creative director, took over all of the visual and um, some of the audio and media website, and we have an app and that kind of stuff. So I took over and helped launch the church, and all the visual branding and identity of the church is what I do for them. Um, So that's kind of my background. That's where I come from. I didn't ever go to school for graphic design. I went to the School of Hard Knocks. I learned the hard way. I've made a lot of mistakes, but through those, I've, I've learned what not to do, what to do. You know, read, read as much as I can over the past five years, and am still navigating my way through that and learning every day. But today, um, I want to I wanna kind of talk about you know, how do you approach graphics, maybe some of the overall branding of your church, how to keep things clean and effective, and how to communicate the vision of the church. And then some practical stuff as to how to set up graphics for screens versus how to set up graphics for printing and different things with that. And then at the end, we're going to actually walk through and I'm going to create a sermon graphic and show it up here on the screens. And you can kind of watch the process of how I go about stuff just to kind of answer any questions with that that you guys may have. Um, And then I'm going to open up for Q&A at the end. I know that not every session might have Q&A, but this is something that I'm sure there's a lot of questions about. So I want to leave a good chunk of time at the end to kind of let you guys ask me things and kind of talk and dialogue back and forth and just help each other out. So I'm going to jump on in here. 
we'll get going. Um, first thing on my list here is branding a church, the overall brand. Um, number one importance is keeping consistent with your look. Whether, whether you're a more traditional church or more progressive, whether you appeal to a younger generation or a multi-generation, um, keeping a consistent look that appeals to the people you're trying to reach is very important. I've gone to a lot of churches through traveling where you look at one piece of print material and it's like, okay, they have something going here. And you look at another thing and it's like, wait a minute, it's totally different. You went really clean and minimal on this style design and then you went over with like the grunge and distressed look on another piece. Um, and that just creates confusion. So when you look at you know, big businesses like Chase Bank or McDonald's, everything they create and everything that every store, every branch has is consistent within a look. Um, and I encourage that for churches as well so that when your congregation sees things you put out, whether it be print material within your church for information or if it's events or your sermon graphics or website, everything feels like Living Word Church, or whatever you know, whatever your church name is, that this is this is your look, um, and you can branch out from things, but consistency is very important. Um, number two, with branding a church, is is it effective in communicating for your church? And what I mean by that is, does it represent your pastors? Does it represent if it's an event? Does it accurately portray what this event is for? Um, you know. I've seen some churches, going back to the grunge thing, they'll use grunge for a youth event and, you know, very, you know, it used to be a very trendy design, but I'm going to use it just as an example because it's very recognizable to many churches. But then they would take the grunge idea and they would use it for the seniors ministry. And that doesn't effectively communicate the seniors ministry. So making sure that all graphics are created within your church Yes. Could you, explain, could you define grunge? Grunge would be considered like a, maybe darker colors, heavy texture, uh, fonts that are rough around the edges, um, gritty. Um, it, was a, it was a very big youth style in uh, mid-late 2000s. Um, it, does, that, does that make sense then? Okay, cool. <laughs> if you guys have any questions, Siri, I absolutely don't mind. Just lift your hand and ask me something. I want, you know, I want to give you guys as much information and be clear. I know there's terms and things within design that you know, not everybody knows. So if you have any questions, shoot that hand up, interrupt me, and I would be happy to take care of that for you. Um, okay. Also, within uh, branding your church, keep in mind of the people that you're trying to reach. Who is, who is the target market outside of your church and not just the people who are inside of your church? With, you know, with being in Columbus, it's a very <laughs> multicultural city where we've planted, and there's also a lot of colleges. So we've geared ourselves towards a younger family out, kids out of high school, but college age, but trying to be as diverse as possible. So we don't, you know, we don't put a a dove on the the front of our graphics. Not that there's anything wrong with a dove, but the people that we're trying to 
reach out to. Um, our print material doesn't say when we put a dove on the front that, hey, this is for the college student who's never been to church and doesn't know anything. When If that's who we're trying to reach, we want to make sure that we are um, appealing to them and what, what the interest is. So know your target audience for events and outreaches and creating graphics that will be going outside of the church as well. Um, I recommend creating something called a style sheet for your church. And a style sheet is basically a guideline for graphics that are created. I've done this for different churches that I've worked for and different businesses and organizations. And what a style sheet does, um, it's basically, you can create like a PDF or some sort of form that has uh, fonts that you use in your graphics. It has textures. You may make a color palette and say, okay, these are the colors that we stay within for our general style. All it does is it creates, going back to the very first point, consistency. So when you create a graphic and then you have to tell someone else, hey, I need you to create something this time, they might go totally off in a totally different direction. But if you're able to say, hey, take a look at this PDF keep within some of these boundaries. You might put in, even in some pictures and say, this is the style of pictures we like. We like using abstract pictures. You know, we, we don't want to you know, work with very literal interpretations. So you know, having something that kind of creates just a, some ground rules for creating the graphics can help keep with consistency when there's multiple people in different departments who are creating graphics. You know, then, have you, and where you guys are at, have you put it in a place to where, hey, you know, there's just going to be one person that's going to make graphics. If you want something for your department or anything, they come to you? Yes. Okay. Um, as of right now, that is the case for my church. Um, we launched in February of this year, so we still are in the early stages of things, and we don't have another person at the church who does graphic design. So right now, any department comes to me. So a style sheet isn't as necessary when it's just yourself. Um, so, pardon me? Unless you forget. Correct. <laughs> yes, unless you forget. But I, when, especially when there's different departments working on stuff, some other churches I work for, I work for a church in Austin, Texas, that their youth department and young adults department even has two different graphic designers. So, you know, things within those departments start to look, you know, can look a little different. They sub out work to me sometimes. They have people who work in-house. And it just, it creates a very easy flow. And it's okay to break out of the, the lane that you're in some, but it also helps as a, a general reference rather than being like, hey, what font am I going to use today? Should I go with this style or this style or this style or this style? And... You know, it, kind of, it helps narrow things down and going back to the first point, just keeping things consistent. Um, speaking on logos for your branding, I specifically recommend uh, trying to keep minimal. Um, a lot of people often go trendy with a logo and what happens is in about three years from the time you create the logo, suddenly like, ah, I don't really like it, it doesn't really fit. It's like, this looked great at one point, but we need to change it. 
going back to the whole grunge era of mid-2000s, every youth group created this grunge graphic where there was a lot of distressing and the letters were really rough and everything, and all of a sudden the grunge style is out. And then, okay, now you've branded everything with your grunge look, and we don't want that anymore, so you have to go redo everything. But then you look at old companies like IBM or even Nationwide, although they update their logo from time to time, it's been pretty consistent. Coca-Cola, they've had the exact same script writing for years and years and years. It's timeless, it's clean, it's simple, and it works with any style because it's very minimal. Um, so I recommend keeping a logo, whether it's the main logo for the church or within different departments, on the minimal side of things. Um, also, color styles. I recommend creating several color palettes, and a color palette is basically several colors that go together, and they work with each other. They can work individually, they can work together, but adding those, welcome, no, that. not a problem, <laughs> welcome, I was trying to be very quiet. that's okay. But creating color palettes also work well with putting those into the style sheet, so then different departments are creating consistency within colors. Um, sermon graphics are, I would say, the one main exception to working with color palettes. Obviously, every sermon graphic, you can, you can branch out and kind of do things different. You can do trendy styles within sermon graphics. You can choose different colors. You can do different fonts. And you can, you can go abstract with the design. You can go grungy with a look. You can do uh, a flat design. You can, you know, you can do picture-oriented design. Sermons, you know, you do it either a week or a sermon series for a few weeks or even a month or a few months, and then you move on. Um, but print materials... Um, massive things that are long-term, I recommend having color palettes that match within your church. Yes? Just a question about color palettes. I noticed on the computer, they, a lot of times they give you ranges of color palettes, like four colors that work together. Yes. But I also notice when you use them, sometimes you don't see all of them. Do you know why that is, or is that just in the programming itself? Do you mean when you use them, you don't... I mean, I don't like you'll have a burgundy and a blue and then a tan something else, but you don't see the tan, or the blue is very muted. Is it because it blends them all together? Sometimes when you start creating the graphic, the way colors, depending on how large of a use of a color within a certain graphic, it can look different. Even when I was creating this graphic, I put a blue on here. I, I actually I downloaded the color palette. I was like, okay, the, I like these colors. This works great. I put the blue in here, and it totally didn't work. It's like, okay... It, it looked good just in my, my little rectangle color palette next to each other, but sticking on a graphic, it didn't fit right for what I was using it. So I went and I adjusted things to what worked well. Does that kind of yeah. kind of answer your question? Um, and also, um, I'll get into this here in a little bit, but colors, um, there's two different modes in which you can create graphics. One of them is called RGB and that is red, green, and blue, and that's used for all screens. So anything that's going to go up on a projector or on your website, is going to, you want to create it in RGB, and I'll actually give you an example of that when I create a graphic here in a little bit. Um, and then there's print graphics. Those are done in CMYK mode. That The coloring 
is affected differently. And actually, when you pick colors in CMYK, it looks a little different on the computer screen as well. That might be where things start to look different. When you go to print those, um, they, it, it's, it can be touchy because I've gone to print something I've created in CMYK and you get it back and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't look exactly like I created what just happened. Yeah. And printing, printing can be kind of funky with, it depends on the type of printer it is that's being used. It depends on, you know, if you, if you do it in-house and you use one of those uh, laser inkjet sort of printers or if you take it to a local business and you use... I don't know what the machines are called, but some of the big things that they use, there's different types of printing. And colors tend to shift a little bit. Um, and that can be difficult. Pardon, yes? Yes. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And um, that can be difficult. We have a, a specific color that we use for our logo. And when we get stuff printed, we have stuff come back. It's like, ah, oh, that doesn't exactly match. But in the big picture, your average person isn't going to hold up this piece next to this and say... Oh, those two greens are slightly off. Man, these guys need to get it together. That doesn't, I mean, I'm a designer, so I get picky and kind of notice those things, but it's because I created it. And I know that you know, we, can, we can eye things and know, oh, that's not exactly what I was trying to do. So then but which one are you saying is better for print? Which one are you saying is better for? For print is CMYK, and for screen graphics, which would be web, up on right. a TV right here is RGB. This is the problem, basically, though. Even if you're getting you ready to print, you're still looking at a screen. The screen's not going to show it. Correct. Same, no matter what you do. Correct. It, it, can, it can be difficult to work within that. Um, typically, unless you're working with very bright colors and trying to print very bright colors, the colors translate accurately on screen. Um, unless I'm getting into... Uh, a really sharp blue or a hot pink. I don't, I try not to use hot pink in general, but you know, a, a nice sun yellow color. Unless you're working with something super bright, it translates pretty accurately on screen. So, what does CMYK stand for? Um, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. Um, it's it's the four colors that are used when the ink is actually laid. It's the combinations of how things overlay. Got it. Yep. Third piece with, third and final piece with talking about church branding is choosing fonts. I recommend within print material and within long term graphics that you keep semi-consistent with fonts. I have, bless you, I have a, a font that I use always for the lyrics. I have a font, one font that I always use for scriptures and message points. Even if it's a different sermon series, I use the exact same font. It becomes familiar and comfortable and recognizable to people, and it starts to represent, and like, oh, this is Anthem of Hope Church. I know how this feels. I know how this looks. And not that you're supposed to stay within the box, but in those elements, it creates... Um, it, it, it becomes memorable and recognizable, and it's good for that. Yes? I think there's times you want comfort. Yes. And there's times you want to... to I don't want to say shock, but you want to, you want to go, wow, I didn't see that. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yes, very good, very good point. Um, let's see where. I also recommend using complementary fonts when using multiple fonts within a graphic. Um, so, for instance, you go and you create a piece of print material. Let's say you're doing um, your bulletin for the month, and you choose Helvetica for the heading font. And I would not recommend then choosing Arial for the body text. And what I mean by body text is a lot of all the different lines of smaller text because those two fonts are very similar. They're both what are called sans serif. And they're, they're around the... They look too close to each other and it becomes confusing to the eye because the eye doesn't recognize as you're reading stuff that, oh, these are different, but something feels off. So when you use something like Helvetica, which is a sans serif font, I recommend adding something of a serif font. Uh, a basic example would be Georgia or Times New Roman, something that has those lines that come off the side. That way, they're very different enough that they don't fight with each other, but they complement each other. So you said use like a sans serif and a what? And a serif. Um, well, I, I would recommend maybe even just do a Google search, um, like sans serif versus serif font explanation, and maybe you'll find probably you'll find blog posts about it. But I might here, let me even I'll pull up onto the screen here an example of what that would look like. Yes. In the, the uh, like Max font book, do they can they be separated out so whenever you're going through the font book that you can see same serif and serif? Is um, those options there? Honestly, I'm not sure. I know you can create folders in there and you can organize organize it yourself. Okay. But I'm not sure if there's like an automatic like choosing because I don't know if they actually embed into individual font files of what type it is. I think the fonts that with the Mac, they have they have serif and sans serif already marked. But if you download it, you do. I don't think it automatically it doesn't put it where it belongs. But the ones that come with it. Okay, so here is a, a piece. I actually created a PDF for you guys, and this, I'll use this for an example to show you the sans serif versus serif. I created a PDF. I put it up on my website for you guys all to download. It has a few of the basic points and some resources of where to find fonts and stock photos. And it talks about the difference between screen graphics and print graphics. But you can notice here, both of these fonts are sans serif. And this font here is a serif. And if you look, you'll see like the, the edges and the lines coming off on things. And then you go over to here, and they don't have the, the pieces. Yep. That's the difference to recognize between serif and sans serif. Um, there's technical terms for what those are called, but I honestly don't know them. So I'm not going to make anything up and try to say what they're called because every little piece on a typeface has a different name to it. All right. <laughs> it will be fast afterwards. You expect it to know those pieces.
<laughs> Pull my notes back up here. Okay. Now, we already kind of touched on this already through questions, but I want to talk briefly about the difference in setting up a design for screen versus print. There's kind of two there's two different things that you're going to have to make sure you, there's one set of rules when you create a graphic for a screen and another set of rules when you create it for printing. Um, when you when you create a document actually I'm going to pull up I'm going to pull up Photoshop now and kind of walk through it and show you guys firsthand what that would look like. Is that the main program you use? Yes. I work primarily in Photoshop and I know that it's on the more expensive side and not everyone can afford it, although it's worth it. Not everyone, not every church can put down $600 to get software for the graphic designer. If you guys have a Mac at your church, there's a program called Pixelmator, P-I-X-E-L-M-A-T-O-R, and it's $30 in the Mac App Store, and it's basically the bare bones, the essentials of Photoshop. I use, yes? Yes, yes, um, and I, ac I actually I do that. Good, good point. Um, you can you can download the Creative Cloud and pay a monthly subscription to have all the software. Yes. I just got a device license from the nonprofits. Okay. Three fifteen a year. Okay. Three fifteen a year. So if you go to Genesis Technologies, you get all their products. Okay, so Genesis Technologies, nonprofit license for three fifteen a year. Cool. Okay, that's great. I I had to purchase the full license because I use mine for commercial work. So I I I got stuck with that full price. That, that feels good sometimes. <laughs> but all right, let me pull up I'll walk you through the screen versus print. I'll make sure you can see it. Okay, I'm actually going to turn, I apologize, I'm going to turn my back to you so I can see this and create up here so you guys can watch as well. So when you start up Photoshop, you create a new graphic, this is the menu that comes up. For print, I recommend always working in inches because you get a 5 by 7 graphic, 5 inches by 7 inches that you need to create. Putting in the pixel numbers kind of gets confusing because that, that can vary based on the pixel resolution you choose, which is down here. So I always recommend we're going to create a 5 by 7 graphic for printing. In printing, you always want to have a very high resolution for your graphic because otherwise, if you've ever seen a graphic that turns out to be very blurry and grainy and what's called pixelated, that's because you use, you use a very low number right in this box. 
The resolution for screens is 72 pixels, but in printing, you want to go with 300 pixels per inch. That creates a very crisp, sharp edges, uh, images. If you put a, a photo on your print piece, it will appear nice and sharp. And then this here is what we talked about a few minutes ago, RGB color and CMYK coloring. When creating a graphic for the screens, you always work in RGB. When creating it for print, you will always work in CMYK. So right now, I am creating a 5x7 print graphic, so I'm in CMYK. I don't recommend messing with any of the advanced settings. Those aren't a big deal. Background content is basically when you first open the document, what's going to be your opening layer. I keep it transparent because I often just add in my own things and I don't need anything there, so it just creates a blank layer for me. One of the things additionally before actually creating a graphic here would be I recommend, and actually in printing at most print shops, if you print in-house, you don't have to always do this, but when you send something off printing online or you send it to a print shop, they recommend an eighth inch bleed on every side of your graphic. So creating a five by seven graphic, I would make it five and a quarter by seven and a quarter. And that adds an eighth inch on either side. That way there's, when things slide or things cut different, there's a little bit of extra margin created. So this is the document that was created. To, to speak on the one-eighth inch. I recommend always adding guides in for that. That's not exactly right on, but you get the idea of I put in guidelines onto the graphic and keep everything, colors and everything can make sure to go out there, but all text must stay uh, a healthy margin inside of the graphics so that nothing is cut off. So, you, know, you, go, you go to print something and you look at it and all of a sudden that last line of your text, the, the letters are cut in half because you work too close to the edge rather than leaving space and a margin for that. Okay. So that is for print. I'm actually going to work with you now on creating a screen graphic and we're going to walk all the way through this one. For screen graphics, you're going to work in pixels, um, and I'm going to create a message graphic here with you guys. There's two standard sizes for uh, screen ratios. There's the widescreen, which is like a, a television look, and then there's more of that, the old tube TV, which looks a little more boxy. The wide one is called 16 by 9, and the boxy one is 4 by 3. And there's different pixel sizes to work in. Hello. There's different pixel sizes to work in versus the two. Um, our church screens are widescreen, and I create, a, create the graphic in HD. So I work at 1920 pixels by 1080. And so that's what I will do for this piece. But you can even just Google search. If you know if your screen's widescreen or not widescreen, um, and you want to know exactly what, if you don't have it written down or anything or have someone to ask, you can Google search four by three pixel size. And they'll give you a list of, hey, this is 
the the resolutions you should make your graphics in. Can you say what you use, what your graphics are for widescreen? Yes, widescreen um, for HD is 1920 by 1080. And then for a 4 by 3, it would be 1024 by 768. 768. I just realized I have 12 minutes left. I'm running out of time here. I'm going to try to speed things up just a little bit. I wonder if I can. Can you sit for this? come back around. I set it up so that my screen feeds the exact same thing that yours does now. I don't have to look what's behind me. Okay, for creating message graphics, I have a list of resources of places to download fonts and stock photos and textures. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to list them individually, but I have it on my website. Um, if you want to write down, my website is J-O-R-D-A-N, my first name, and then my last name is W-E-T-H-E-R-B-E-E, -E -E, jordanweatherby.com. And on my homepage, I have a spot that says Downloads. In there, I put a PDF that was specifically created with some of the things I'm talking about today. And in there, there's a list of resources as good free stock photos, fonts, some textures. And then I talked about screen size versus printing size and some stuff with that. Um, but I downloaded a few elements. Um, I've got a stock photo here for a graphic that I'm going to create with you guys. I'm just going to working with a little texture over top of the image. I'm going to move through this part pretty quick because I want to show you how to save out for web and save out for your screens and some of the different exporting options. specific place you get most of your stock photos? I have a few different places. Um, and it on your website? Yes, okay. those are all in the PDF and there's links created so you can directly click on each one of the, the titles I have and then it'll take you right to the website. And this image I'm working with right here was grabbed um, from one of the, the websites that I have listed on there. Okay, so... I'm just going to keep this really simple. Well, 
get the spinning wheel. Everyone loves the spinning wheel. There we go. Yes. And then we have, as we came in to the church, we're Mac users. Okay. But the church, you know, PCs only. <laughs> sure. And um, because it's too expensive to go all Mac. So we have to work with what we have. Okay. Do you have anything to do with PCs? Honestly, I haven't. Because all they have is um, publisher. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, w- I would recommend you can do uh, Photoshop for PC. I would recommend that. Um, I don't know of something of a cheaper alternative. The Pixelmator is only for Mac. Right. And um, hey, I've... Uh, a good program that you can download, I think you can still do it for free, is Okay. Sure. Yes, that can that can be difficult yeah. when you work with one program mostly, and then you have to go do something else or have other people work in something else and try to answer questions. Um, so, yeah, that can be a little of a dilemma. Unfortunately, I've worked with a Mac almost my whole life, so I'm I I have I have zero knowledge. So I apologize for that. Okay, so here we have our extremely basic, very quick little message graphic with a wonderful title called Message Title. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a few of the exporting options and what you should and shouldn't use based on what you're print, whether you're printing or all that sort of stuff. You always put the church logo in the sermon I, I almost always do. I typically stick it in the bottom corner. Um, I try to keep our church logo on as much material as possible, especially when I do promotions like on social media. I always am creating a square version for Instagram and feed it to Facebook. And for reposting purposes, I recommend having your church name or church logo in the bottom corner, <laughs> bottom portion. Of it. Bless you. Um, so like there you've got, you've got the logo in white. Yes. Okay. It would be better to translate that into a black, white, and, and do it just as like a line drawing for that kind of purpose. I would recommend that. Um, it creates a good flow. Like I, I specifically had pulled the white logo because I knew that it would set well within this design. Um, I have a black version, a white version. I have our green logo color version. I have a multicolors ver- colored versions, um, all within the the style of what we do and I use various ones based on what that graphic is. If I make a black and white graphic I typically will stick a colored logo on there to give a little bit of pop to it. But whenever I work with colors you know, it doesn't always perfectly set well and can kind of like stand out. I want it to more so just be hanging out in the bottom corner. Um, Pardon me? Yes. The logo, especially when you drop it in to be a PNG, because otherwise you get the the box around it, and then you know you got this white background or a black background, and it just sets randomly in the corner. 
So saving out graphics that you create. I'm going to do a quick save as here. Let's go. Always save a graphic in your Photoshop file. That's a given. You'll need to edit it later. You'll need to translate it to a web graphic and all that sort of stuff. But it's pretty simple saving out for screens. I just save a JPEG, click Save, and it gives me this little JPEG option here. I, I go with, typically I go with 12 or 11 as the image quality. You can see this little number right here that says the size that the image will be once it's, on, once it's saved. If you need to email lots of graphics, sometimes I save them a little bit smaller so that they send nicely over email. Um, it just kind of depends on where you're sending it. This format options here, I keep it baseline optimized. It, it's not really too, there's not too many differences within these. I don't really think it makes a difference. It's not something that I know too terribly much about. And then the same with this matte deal up top. I just click none on that one. And boom, we have our message graphic ready to be put into ProPresenter or whatever uh, software you use for your screens. Um, a difference for saving out a web graphic. Um, I'm gonna, I've got three minutes left, so I'm going to try to do this real quick here for you. But saving for a web graphic, below the save as, they're save for web and devices. That creates a much smaller file size. That way, when you stick it on a website, it loads a lot quicker. You know, you go onto that website and it, this item loads, and then this item pops up. And then here comes, and it takes just forever. It's like, okay, I'm done. I, gotta, I don't have time for this. Saving for web and devices greatly reduces the size of a graphic, so it loads a lot quicker. Again, you want to save out as a JPEG, typically, if it's a, if it's a rectangle or a square item. Um, a PNG would only be if it's something that you need partially transparent. If you round the corners on something and you want them to actually, whatever's behind it, to be seen, you would choose a PNG. That allows anything in the background to not be there. Um, but I go JPEG. I put the quality probably around 70 to 75, and then save. I'm going to save that to. The bottom, the bottom left of that, oh, I actually have never even noticed that. I'm learning something now. This is awesome. Where was? Right there. Well, as of right now, it's going to take 90 seconds, but yeah, so it seems... Small, you, you, the smaller you make your um, file size in kilobytes, the quicker it's yep. going So if you know... And, that, like, and you can scroll across the image in there if there are details that you want to see, and then you can... You can see the quality. Watch the quality at whatever size you're doing. We'll bring that down a little bit. And you see how this starts to get kind of grainy and gritty and doesn't look so good. Bring it back up. Sharpens up nicely. I just learned something today. Thank you, sir. So now we have our web graphic that is all ready to load onto your website. Um, sometimes, you know, every web is a little, every website's a little different. You're gonna maybe have like a really wide, really narrow 
graphics. Um, ours are a lot more rectangle because we have items on the side. So just knowing what pixel size you need to create your web graphics, sometimes you will have to resize your file. So you would just go create a new document and, okay, that's it. Uh, ours is 450 wide by 300 high. So this is my church website graphic size. I'm going to drag all of my items. And whoa, okay, it didn't work. So you go and you just have to scale everything and resize it all and fit it all in there and make it look nice. And that technically is the end of our time. I want to answer some questions. I know that I didn't even, I didn't get through all my notes. So I'm going to give you guys a few minutes as long as we're okay and we're not missing something. If you guys have any questions or if you want to grab me individually, um, does anybody have anything right off the bat that they know they would want to ask questions about? Pretty good? All right. Well, I will be around for the next few hours. I'm doing the same session again, but between now and then or sometime today, if you see me around and have a question, come grab me, ask me anything, and uh, I'd be happy to help in any way I can. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks all for coming.